What up, what up? We're doing things a little different today, but it's still the same. PlayCallersSportsTalk.com, baby. It's Friday. It's 7. It's time to get into some sports. So we're here today. Co-host of the show, your boy Cool McCain. And to my side as always. You know, you know, Stephen Bob. And with that, crazy week in sports. We got stuff going on with the Olympics. Got a couple of coaching hires. We got the finals. All kinds of foolishness going on. So it's time to get to it. Absolutely, so there's, man. There's no better place to start than the Damian Lillard falsified rumors from multiple sources today. So as I'm, you know, going about my day, I'm at work, but I, you know, try to get a few minutes in listening to what's going on in sports um, every day. So take a little break listening mm-hmm. and I hear oh, breaking news. You know, Damian Lillard um, has requested a trade. Well, demanded, excuse me, demanded a trade. And the two teams that he supposedly demanded a trade to were either the 76ers and I'm trying to remember the other team. Uh, I don't remember the team off the top of my head, but 76ers is good enough. So that one stuck out to me because my first thought was, what is Portland going to get back from Philadelphia that's going to replace Damian Lillard, right? If you're going to make a trade, you want your team to be good. Oh, New York was the other team, the Knicks. So it was either the Knicks or the Sixers. So it's funny how it was only two teams. That already kind of made me, hmm. So I'm listening to the show here, and they're like, yeah, you know, that's kind of weird that they only picked two teams, but they're going through those two teams, right? So all right, cool. So we're listening to that. So my whole time, they're like, well, you know, it's some sources, but none of these are like your major sources that normally break news. These are some of the smaller sources. But I thought about it, and my thought was Portland knows they can't get what they want from um, Philadelphia because Philadelphia is clearly going to want to include Ben Simmons in if you've been watching the show lately, you know how me and this guy feel about Ben Simmons. So kind of thought that was didn't make a lot of sense. Then New York makes sense from the standpoint of he would make the team a lot better. And they do have some assets and draft picks that they may be able to trade in a package to get him. But if I'm Portland, do I want that? Right. But then I started thinking to myself, like as I went about the rest of the day at work, I started thinking to myself, this dude has been loyal to this team when it's been worse than this. I don't see him all of a sudden during the Olympics coming out and demanding a trade. And after his press conference, it was rebuffed. We all found out what I thought all along. He didn't ask for a trade. That was just somebody trying to sensationalize something to make another story. Any thoughts on that, my man? Yeah, I mean, look. Is there a possibility that he would like to go somewhere else? Yeah. There's a possibility he would like to go somewhere else. Is he tired of the losing? Did he maybe make some comments to some people right after they got eliminated from the playoffs again? Yeah, those are uh, all possibilities. But the media decided to do what they always do and go out and make all these false rumors up and everything else because they thought per the usual that the athlete would just ignore it and not really say anything. And they didn't expect for a 
Dame Lillard come out and call him on a nonsense. So good for him. So true, so very true, man. I just it's what we talk about a lot on here, man. We talk about how, you know, as fans of sports ourselves too, you know, let's make sure that when we're putting stuff out, right? That we're actually waiting mm-hmm. until it's confirmed and really getting the information before you start attempting to break a story. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, just another example of don't believe everything that you hear in the media, man. Wait until you get some concrete information on that joint. Then that's when you trust it. Until then, just kind of let it ride. You know, yeah. another um, big story, uh, unfortunately, is the situation with Richard Sherman. You know, nothing to do with him as a player, more to do with him as a person. So I'm not going to go into the details of everything. I'm sure you've been hearing about it. And while repeat the same thing you've already been hearing about for, what, three, four days now, I'm going to just simply say a couple of things about it were filed. Um, I did not listen to the 911 call. I've had the link sent to me multiple times, but I haven't listened to it. Um, but from what I've heard about it, um, kind of tough. And then the person on the phone was very disrespectful as far as the 911 dispatcher as well. So that's another issue that may need to be, you know, looked into just how that was all handled. Um, but, you know, what I will say about it is Richard Hearn Sherman is a man just like me, just like my co-host, just like, you know, any other guy. Right. You know, we don't know if he may be going through some personal issues, you know, from what I've gathered. Um, he was a little bit inebriated. Um, he ended up and this has been confirmed from what I've read so far, but it was either at another house or at his house a little drunk and wasn't able to get into the house. The original information I've heard was that he um, was at a house that he thought was his, I guess maybe like a neighbor's house or another house that looked similar to his. And he couldn't get in uh, because obviously it wasn't his house. You know, mm-hmm. the police came, you know, he was kind of like, nah, nah, man, you know, this is my house and blah, blah, blah. But then once he understood that it wasn't his house, he went ahead and went with the police. That's, you know, basically what I've gotten so far that's been confirmed. Mm-hmm. Um, but, even that aside, man, this is an individual. This is a guy that, you know, he's doing his thing. He's up here. He's trying his best to, you know, cope with whatever's going on, man. Let's let these guys be people. I'm very disappointed that the 911 tape got out like it did that quick. But, you know, it's nothing you can really do about it. We just live in a world where there's always some media outlet attempted to break something before everybody else. That's disappointing. I hate that that happened to that, that dude, man. But, you know, it is what it is in this world. Yeah. Um, and, and I apologize for anybody listening. I know my, my voice sounds a little not as uh, loud and clear perhaps tonight dealing with some, some issues with my throat. So apologize for that. But, you know, I got a couple of thoughts on this, man. Um, so first of all, just a, a small thing. I don't necessarily know if it's a correction, um, but I do know that a video also came out that looks like it was from a ring doorbell. He was actually at his father-in-law's house. Okay. Um, so I don't I don't know if he was aware that that's where he was or whatever, because that isn't really clear in the video. So my thing is. And this isn't really got anything at all to do with Richard Sherman, because I think we would all agree that this particular incident is very out of character for what we've seen from him. Now, it may not be. This may just be the first time that anything's actually come of it, but. From what we've seen, this seems to be very out of character for him. So this isn't specifically about him. Right, right, right. This is really about the fact that I think we have a huge problem in this country where we don't allow men 
to be able to express the things they are going through in a productive way. And that's why we end up seeing guys a lot of times turning to alcohol and things like this happening because they don't feel like they can talk to anybody. They don't feel like they can be open about going through things in their life, about the stresses and, and things that might be going on. You know, and especially you talk about somebody in the world of football, or not even football, just sports in general. You and I both played sports growing up. That type of conversation is definitely not encouraged in that atmosphere. You know, you're, you're always told man up, tough it up, man mm -hmm. it out, whatever. So, you know, I, I just want to say as, as a whole, man, we, we got to do better is supporting each other as men. Definitely, man. I just want to top it off by saying uh, big props to Richard Sherman's uh, wife. You know, they were hounding her about it. She basically gave some really solid statements, you know, about it. Basically, you know, something they'll work on. She apologized on his behalf, um, saying they were working on, you know, his bell getting him out and everything. And he was able to be released and he posted an apology as well. So big ups, man. I mean, he made a mistake. It's not something that's consistent for you as far as we know so you know it happens man you brought up a great point about just you know talking about things and man being able to go out and just kind of you know live a little bit and you know express their emotions and their feelings as well you know so that's something that definitely is a big part that we should be thinking about and you know we have to kind of break that you know i have you know a group that i'm in where there's some of the things that we talk about right just breaking some of those things man and just enjoying life bro you don't have to always be this guy that has no emotions. You don't always have to be this person that nothing bothers you. Sometimes things do bother you and it's okay to acknowledge that. It's okay to let that out. But that yeah. is something, like you said, that you're taught from a young age. So it's hard to break that in your mind. Yeah. But, um, you know, it happened. Now, one other quick thing, I'm not going to spend much time on it in regards to a similar situation to Richard Sherman, uh, Dwayne Haskins, uh, fiance. I don't know if you heard about that or not, but I haven't uh, seen that one yet. Yeah, she stole off on him um, at least once based on what happened. Essentially, something happened. She ended up hitting him so many times that it knocked the tooth out, right? And, you know, Dwayne Haskins is like, what, 6'3", 6'4"? Yeah, and I think she's like 5'6", five, 5'7", five, somewhere in there. Um, so I don't know exactly what happened about it, uh, but I know there's some charges that have been filed in regards to it. And I know he lost a tooth. So a little crazy situation, man. But I think we're starting to see and hear a lot more about just everything that happens in people's lives. Yeah. You know, um, so as, you know, athletes, kind of like what you were saying before, but from a different lens, just make sure that, you know, when things are going on in your life, man, you try to take care of those things and don't let those things simmer. Because a lot of times I think a lot of these things that happen in these situations where it's some type of domestic abuse or violence. It's maybe something that you could just sit down and talk about and figure out sometimes. Take the time to do those things, but don't be too busy to have the conversations to keep things, you know, right in, in, in other parts of your life. And I think that's a big lesson everybody needs to learn or hopefully people learn and see from these situations that are starting to go on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, conflict resolution is definitely a skill that a lot more people could benefit from having, man. Oh, yeah. Definitely. There's a couple more things to talk about, but you know what? Time to get to the bread and butter. Time to get to the reason why we're here this week. So we were here on this particular show. No, no, no. Let me restart. On this very show last week, four, five, six people in the comments 
Suns are gonna sweep. Suns in five. The Bucks don't have a chance. And blah blah blah, and this and that. Now I only see two people watching right now, but uh, ladies and gentlemen that were here last week, I'd love to have you hop on and listen to what I'm going to say. It's a little bit of Bill Cosby there for you. Check it. Didn't say this last week because sometimes you don't put all the information out at first. You kind of let it come out in layers, right? So one thing I want to say, big ups to Devin Booker. Devin Booker has been solid in three of the four games. He had a bad game, got in foul trouble. But other than that, big ups to Devin Booker. He showed up. He's been as constant for his team as Giannis has been for the Bucks. So big ups to him, props to him, not downplaying him at all. One thing I said last week, is Chris Paul going to be able to continue to put up 30, 40 points a game? And if not, Phoenix is going to be in trouble on the road. Chris Paul did not do that. Phoenix was in trouble on the road. Back-to-back -back losses. Now the series is the best of three. So we have a lot of Suns fans, you know, even on my own Facebook page, my own Instagram, my own Twitter, all at Kuma K, by the way, that were just saying, hey, it doesn't matter. Phoenix is going to win. It's going to be six now instead of five, but there's no way Milwaukee can win. So it's funny to me how you win two games and then people still say there's no way you can win. And it's not a given that either team is going to win because you got to win two out of three games. And even still, if we're looking, realistically, you would say the Suns still have an advantage. Why? Two of the three games that are left are in Phoenix. Mm -hmm. That's why it was very important for me um, and me and my co-host talked about this offline a couple of times. Milwaukee needed, really needed to get the game, too. And if they could have got a little bit more offensive production, they may have stole that game. It's a whole different series if everything happens as it was and they win game two because that's the road game that they had to win. They could win at home in six. Now they got to go on the road and figure out another game to win. Uh, Phoenix's role players, as expected, as expected, again, as expected, went on the road and played like role players. The only role player that had a good game was Jay Crowder in game three, and that was the game where everybody else played bad, so it still wasn't enough for them to win when they lost, by, I believe that was 20. Um, yeah, they got so, yeah, smashed in so game smashed. three. Yeah. So, you know, the thing is, man, understand these are series. Understand it's going to go back and forth. So now we've gotten the two games from Milwaukee. So I had a couple of people that said, hey, so you're telling me it's going to be 2-2 next Friday. My adamant response was yes. Another reason for that, um, didn't put this information out last week. Milwaukee's only lost one game at home throughout the playoffs, and that was a close one to Atlanta. Milwaukee plays really well at home. Those guys that don't show up on the road show up at home. Now, if we look at previous series for both teams, because that's the only thing we can truly use to judge, we can sit here and speculate all day. We can say, oh, you know, Giannis is going to score 40. Chris Middleton is going to score 25. This person's going to score this. This person's going to score that. And that's how they're going to win the game. But if we look at history of the series that these teams have already played on, Milwaukee wins games in bunches. They lose a couple, then they start winning games in bunches. This is what they've been doing. Now, the question is, are you going to get enough out of Chris Middleton? Are you going to get enough out of Drew Holiday? Are you going to get enough out of Brooke Lopez? You know, Bobby Portis, Pat Connaughton's. Can he make a couple of shots, get some rebounds and some of the things he did in his last game on the road while still finding a way to not let someone else get off with Devin Booker? So that's going to be the question for either game five or game seven, because, again, to win this series, Milwaukee has a win a game on the road. 
They have to. All Phoenix has to do is win at home, and they're good. Said that from the beginning. So the, when you look at it, this game five, Milwaukee's been really good in game fives. They've been really good. Um, so the question is going to be, again, um, Miami, they, didn't, they never even got there. Atlanta, you know, they were able to get their win because some other guys came alive and did their thing. Brooklyn, game five was pivotal for them as well. So the what I would say is based on what they've been doing throughout the playoffs, Milwaukee has their best chance to win on the road in game five. Now, we know Giannis did not put up 40 this last game, but Chris Middleton did. So they just essentially switch roles as far as the points, because I say all the time, the points are the points. You're only going to score so many points a game. There's not like, oh, if Chris Middleton scores 40, then Giannis scores 40, Brooke Lopez scores 20, Juhade scores 30. It doesn't work out that way. It's possession, there's misses, there's Phoenix is a good defensive team, so there's a lot of things that go into it. It's not as cut and dry as people want to believe or try to make it out to. So the other part of it is Phoenix. Them responding. They're at home. Are they going to lay down for Milwaukee and say, oh, my gosh, they beat us two games on the road, so there's no way that we can win the series now? Absolutely not. Is Chris Paul going to probably give you what he gave you last game, somewhere between like 16 and 20? That's more realistic of an expectation for Chris Paul at his age, first time being in the finals. Um, I, I, I appreciate that, Billy Venable. So Billy V says he called a sweep. And he says he got that one wrong. Hey, respect that. You know, everybody feels the way that they feel. But as I said last week, man, I was never under the uh, concern that it wasn't going to be 2-2. Now, this last three is where things are going to get real juicy. And we're going to have a great finals um, the rest of the way because we're going to have two teams that are going to play similar. One's going to play a little bit more on the inside, hopefully. Um, and also... One, they're both crying a lot. We'll get into this in a few minutes. I just want to mention this is a lot of flopping and crying going on in the series, and we need to bring it back to playing basketball and winning games. Yeah. You know, man, I, I will say that we, we both said it was going to be 2-2. Oh, yeah. Matter of fact, not only did we say that it was going to be 2-2 after Phoenix went up 2-0, we both actually predicted it to be 2-2 after the uh before the series even started yeah we, we we thought that it was gonna be different i actually predicted the home teams to defend you actually thought that it might be a one-on-one on, on the for the road team either way but we both agreed that it was gonna be two two after four you know this is an interesting finals for the fact that both teams have kind of been a little bit lucky in terms of injuries to their opponents. Now I know that they've dealt with some injuries of their own as well. Um, Phoenix has been relatively a little bit more healthy than Milwaukee um, because Chris Paul is not on the same uh, level as Giannis in terms of importance to the team right now. But, you know, Giannis was out at a time that Trey Young was also out for Atlanta. So right. that that kind of made a big difference. So when I look at the history, it's it's still somewhat difficult to go by that because we've never seen either one of these teams play a game five against a healthy team. 
I mean, that's just that's just it is what it is. Maybe maybe Milwaukee in the first round when it didn't matter. They didn't get to game five in the first <laughs> round, so yeah, that was that, a flat sweep. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like maybe maybe they played like a closeout game against a healthy team then, but you know we're gonna have to see what these two teams do tonight. Um, I do expect Phoenix to win tonight for all the reasons you mentioned. They're home. The role players are gonna play a lot better. Chris Paul, I think, will make some adjustments because uh, Holiday has been giving him the business the last two games. So. Obviously, they're going to have to make some adjustments on that. They're going to have to find some way to force a switch or something to happen because he's absolutely taking Chris Paul out of the uh, the series. So it's going to be a fun matchup to watch. Um, but I agree with you. We've seen way too much crying. Game four, they I'm so glad that they actually showed all the replays of the fouls because... Mm. To if you just were going by the players, you would think that the referees did the worst job ever. Because these guys were out there acting as if every time that they did anything that wasn't a foul. But then they would cry on the other end when there was contact, and I was like, ah, why didn't you call that foul? It's like so you you want every time somebody breathes on you hard, you want a foul. You want to be able to slap people across the face and not get a call. It makes no sense. You can't have it both ways. Either they caught everything or they let stuff go. And it's not like we just suddenly this year started saying, oh, NBA basketball gets called differently in the playoffs than it does in the regular season. And you know where they really don't call stuff at normally? It's in the finals. Now, if one team is getting calls and the other team's not, I have an issue with that. That's not what's happened. There's been some missed calls, yes. But overall, I thought the referees have actually done a pretty good job. And the players just need to stop crying and go play. They need to start, they need to stop seeking out fouls. Yeah, I mean, you know, I say this, man. I would ask myself this. How many games in the Bucks Suns, the game's actually tomorrow. Um I'd ask myself, how many games has Phoenix had where they've played a healthy roster, right? And not only just a healthy roster, but a team with their best player. So we look at the Brooklyn series and agree Kyrie was not the same player when he came back. I mean, excuse me, not Kyrie, James Harden, because Kyrie was the one who got hurt the first game. But he was able to at least be a secondary player. Kevin Durant is the man on that team. Mm -hmm. If you don't have Kevin Durant, that's the equivalent of Phoenix playing. um, Play so many different teams. It's equivalent of Phoenix playing the Clippers without a Kawhi. Kawhi Leonard. So when you look at it, you think about it this way. Phoenix has had a path where they've, for the most part, been able to skirt the best player on the other team playing. Milwaukee, you know, the whole Trey Young thing, but at the end of the day, uh, Trey Young and Giannis were pretty much hurt mostly the same. So you were looking at two teams that were playing without their best player. You know, Trey Young got hurt early and and well, got hurt a previous game, um, was able to play the next game. Giannis played, but then he got hurt in that game, and Milwaukee never really was in that game. But the wins that they had to close out the series, they had to play without Giannis 
against a team that had to play without Trey Young. So I kind of look at that and say, if you're looking at the way things have been going for the most part, you would say Milwaukee was probably in trouble more without Giannis than Atlanta without Trey because of the other people they had. You had Lemon Pepper Lou step up and, and, and make some buckets and some different people in that team. What I would say is simply this. If you look at the history of what's been going on in the series, if you take out the fact that this person hasn't had this person, that person hasn't had this person. Phoenix looks like a team that once they get a lead, um, and this is consistent, once they get a lead, they start to maybe fall back a little bit. They start to play a little less hard. They start to not grind it as hard. They start to cry about fouls more. They start to do the whole acting thing where every time somebody swipes near your face, you're flopping around and doing all that, wanting fouls. So they look like a team that can play themselves out of being able to be in the game is what I'm saying. They can get to that point where they say, you know what, man? They got a little bit of a lead. They're still young. Remember that. The core of that team is young. You got Chris Paul and you got Jay Crowder. But when you take them away, most of the other people there are young. And you think as well, they lost their backup center, Dario Sarge. Um, he got hurt towards ACL in the first game. So he's out. So they don't really have a backup center. So Milwaukee has a consistent size advantage, which is why you've seen them go to kind of a small lineup as far as Phoenix when um, they take DeAndre Ayton out. But what I would say is simply this. Milwaukee seems to come on more as the series goes on. This could be the series where that burns them from giving up that game too, which I really thought they had a chance to win, but they just stopped making shots outside of Giannis. And Phoenix seems to start off really strong, and then they seem to go like this, <laughs> right? They seem to kind of come down a little bit. Now, when you're playing teams that don't have their best player, you can still win with, with that scenario. But now they're going to have to find a way to crank it back up. They're going to have to find a way to turn it back up. They're going to have to find a way to get back into it and try to win this series. Obviously, I don't want them to because I want Milwaukee to win. And honestly, I don't want Chris Paul to get a ring. There's a lot of people that were on last week. A lot of people is going to watch the replay of this. People that make it on later. People that make it on now say, oh, why don't you want Chris Paul to win? Well, I'll simply answer the question by saying this. What has Chris Paul done in his career that he deserves a ring? Answer me that. Put it in the comments. Well, he's been a consistent player. He's been a guy that's always got hurt and never made it to the finals. How does that constitute you deserving a ring? Now, if you get one, he gets one. But I kind of don't. I'm just sick of the whole. And I've heard this all week. I'm sick of the whole Chris Paul deserves a ring because he's been here 16 years and he's been a solid player, you know, and, you know, he could have been with the Lakers when they were winning rings. Oh, well, he wasn't. If he'd been there, he probably would have got hurt on for them, too. Here's the fact of the matter. This is his first time in the finals, and it took him 16 years to get there. Has he been a great player in the NBA? Yes. Is he a Hall of Famer? I say yes. But there are several Hall of Famers that do not have rings. And I believe he's going to be another one that doesn't get a ring. And it's okay not to have a ring. What I find kind of laughable is, Especially early in the series, everybody was, oh, Chris Paul, Chris Paul, Chris Paul this, Chris Paul that. He's great. And he's so, and he's the MVP of the team and blah, blah, blah. And he was to a certain point against the Lakers, really solid. Against the Nuggets, not so as much, but they didn't have, you know, Jamal Murray. You know, against the Clippers, a couple of great games, a couple of okay games. So what you're starting to see is it's a consistent thing. They're not impact offense game one through game seven. 
right? The team they're playing is not impact offense game one and two, and they start to climb. Now, this road game is going to be a challenge, but if we're looking at what we've seen, this game five should be good. Can't say who's going to win because a lot of people thought Phoenix was going to pull out the game last night, even watching the game, because of how well they were playing in contrast to how Milwaukee was playing until that last few minutes of the game. So I'll simply say this, and then I'll let you, you know, say whatever, how you, you feel about it. At the end of the day, they've got to go out there and play. Giannis is going to get his. I believe Middleton, Holiday, and some of those guys are going to be able to step up and give him about 15 apiece. If the rest of those guys, two or three guys, Lopez, Holiday, uh, Middleton, can give him 40 points together, 40 to 45 points, it's going to be hard for Milwaukee to lose this game. But if they don't, it's going to be hard for them to win this game. So a lot is pivotal on guys that are some time. Yeah, I, to me, for Phoenix to win this series in six games, which is what I originally predicted, not only are they going to need for their role players to step back up at home for game five, which I think they will because we've seen that from them all season. They've they've played extremely well at home. But those role players are going to have to go out and give them a really solid contribution. They don't have to go out there and be great. They have to give a solid contribution on the road in game six. Because if they don't, then we may be going back for game seven. Now, I told you at the beginning of the series, I don't think anybody's going to win three games in a row in this series. So I don't think Milwaukee's going to win. I, I just feel like we, we see this. Teams going to go home. You make some adjustments. Sometimes it takes a game or two for you to adjust back to people's adjustments especially when their role players are playing better than what you would expect them to, and you have all these things. I'm not going to be surprised if this goes to seven, if, although I, I predicted six, because Milwaukee, like you said, at home, they're very tough. I do think that they're going to lose game five. I won't be shocked if they win game six, though, because they're very tough to play at home, and that crowd has a lot to do with it. <clears throat> Well, you know, one of the things that's been an advantage for uh, Giannis and the team, whether it be at home, is the support, right? He's shooting free throws, their support. Um, what I think it would be the best option if you're Milwaukee is if you go in and you have other guys attacking as well. So when it comes to the free throws, you have other guys taking the shots. You know, can Giannis make free throws? Absolutely. He's not Ben Simmons in the playoffs this year, numbers bad. But yeah. – He's left some points definitely on the floor uh, from the free throw line. So if you can get other guys attacking the basket and possibly drawing fouls as well, Giannis is going to get fouled because most of his points are going to come in the 10-foot area. But if you can get other guys attacking some and, and going to the line and getting in a rhythm, that would be very beneficial for them on the road. That's something that hasn't happened yet for them on the road. So that's what you want if you're looking at, you know, from the side of Milwaukee. If you're looking at the side from the Suns, because you got to look at this from both sides, what you're going to want to do, you're going to want to come out. You're going to want to establish DeAndre Ayton early. You're going to want to get him about 15 to 20 points, right? You're going to want to get him involved. You're going to want him down there bouncing. You're going to want him catching some alley oops. You're going to want him making, you know, some big plays for you and being involved in the offense early because every point that he scores is a point you don't need from um, Cam Johnson, Cam Payne, Miles, uh, 
I forgot Miles' last name, but you know Miles, him. Um, points you don't need from Chris Paul and other guys, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like Devin Booker is going to do him. But if he can get more from Aiton, then the other guys don't need to contribute as much offensively, and maybe you can keep Aiton involved in the game. Now, Aiton's going to have to stay out of foul trouble. Devin Booker's going to have to stay out of foul trouble. Now, going back to game four, most ridiculous thing I saw, Devin Booker had eight to nine fouls, period. I don't understand how that happened. And if you even watch the graphic when he went in the back, right, it said Devin Booker, eight fouls. It said 42 points, eight fouls. And I really think they gave him one that they should that he should have had. I don't understand how, and I know people talk about the the primetime players and the best players on the team you want to have them in in the game. At the end of the day, man, if you're if you're just basically fouling people, saying that they're not going to call fouls, I'm just going to keep fouling people, and they don't call the fouls, the referees aren't doing their job. So if you're a Phoenix Sun fan or you're cheering for the Phoenix Suns or you're a Chris Paul fan, whatever your reason for cheering for the Suns is. What I want you to understand is you cannot cry about calls at all because your best player was allowed to get eight to nine fouls in a game. And that's why you were still in it. Listen, I predicted Phoenix. <coughs> so my, my interest is obviously in seeing them win. So like I said, I was right, especially if it happens in six games. But man, come on. I mean, it was like one or two that, they were close. Like you could have definitely called them, but they were at least close enough. I could understand you maybe not calling it, but the one that he got that technically should have been a six. That was like blatant. Like he tried to foul. You wouldn't even let the man foul. Hmm. He was like, he forgot he had five fouls and he was trying to foul. And then you turn around that last one, bro, where he, literally like wrapped his arms around uh was it middleton i think was shooting on that one yeah he, he like wrapped his arms around middleton basically hugging him in the air and they still ain't caught a foul i'm like bruh how is that not a foul <laughs> like that's that's been a foul on everybody ever like that's a foul on mj come on <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's a foul when you're like four years old you know what I'm saying? Right. Oh, no. Even, even Michael Jordan's getting that one called on him. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> Pretty much. And, you know, man, there's a couple of fouls both ways. I felt like Phoenix was doing a lot more of the theatrics as far as, you know, somebody swings close to their face. They flying all around doing all that. But I do feel like Milwaukee did a little bit of that as well. I feel like with Phoenix, it's the Chris Paul effect because I've watched him specifically. Like, there's been games where I say, you know what, I'm going to watch what Chris Paul does. <laughs> And when I watched those games and watched what he did, I saw a lot of flopping, a lot of trying to draw fouls, almost hurting himself trying to draw a foul. And it's like, dude, I understand that you and LeBron are real tight and y'all had that same philosophy, but you can basically hurt yourself and be out of the finals trying to draw fouls on other people. And when it's not working and they're not calling it, they don't have a way to fight through it because that's what they're dependent upon, right? You didn't see... You really didn't see Phoenix say, you know what? We out here trying to get these fouls on Milwaukee. They're not calling them. We're not getting to the line. All right? They're not going to call the fouls. Fine. We got to put our heads down, and we got to go to the basket. We got to pull up. We got to make shots. We got to get shots that we can make on the road, and we got to make them. You didn't see Phoenix do enough of that. You know, you saw Milwaukee do enough of that at home. Right? So now the question becomes, again, because Phoenix does have the home court advantage, if you're Milwaukee – you're going to have to find a way to win a game. 
Game five is your best option. Now, if you lose game five, you still win the series because I do believe they'll go home and win game six either way. So I'm just going to add just one final comment and then we can, we can talk about some other subjects here. <coughs> you talk about people about to hurt themselves trying to draw these fouls. Listen, somebody let Giannis and Anthony Davis both know y'all too injury prone to be on the ground five, six times every single freaking game. I'm going to need both y'all to stop hitting the ground, man, for real. Well, to slightly defend Giannis, a lot of times when he's hitting the ground is because he's running over somebody. But, but dude, like, how are you that clumsy? Stay on your feet, bro. Stop hitting the ground. That's all I'm saying. I mean, I can feel what you're saying. You know what I mean? I can feel, but I think, you know, it's just a little different for me the way you get there. But at the truth, at the end of the day, they both do be on the ground too much. A lot of these dudes and, be on the ground too much. And they both and they both be milking it when they go down too. Oh yeah. Y'all oh, yeah. do yeah. everything. Y'all oh, yeah. be milking everything, oh, yeah. bro. Like he milking his time at the free throw line. He milking his time on the ground. Like, dude, just hurry up. What you doing? All that means is you know what his fraternity was. <laughs> move I move. Milk it, milk it, milk it. <laughs> But yeah, he does that, you know, and hey, it happens, you know, I think those guys be tired, but yeah, he does, a lot of those dudes be doing it, but yeah, Giannis does um, hit that ground a lot. But man, I'm really excited about the finals, I will say this, all social side, because it's highly rated, we have two fresh teams in, so the whole stigma that if certain people are not in the finals, people aren't going to watch, that's being broken right now, you know, we got Team USA, don't know what's going on with them. But, you know, they are about to play or play something like that. And, um, you know, women's team, you know, they had their all-star game this week. So it's been a lot of other things going on. But right now, let's be real. The NBA finals are in the spotlight. That's what's real. Okay. We got a couple of uh, NBA hires, too. We do, man. We do. We do. Well, we have we have one official hire and one unofficial hire. Unofficial hire. Yeah. So, yeah, the unofficial hire is Willie Green. So from all reports, and he's an assistant coach with um, the Suns right now, so he can't be hired. But um, apparently him and um, he's been hired for that job, and then he's agreed to it. It's just a matter of officially announcing it once you know the finals are over. So, you know, if that holds true, um, congratulations to him on getting that, that um, coaching opportunity. I know there are some other candidates that people may have wanted to get that job. But, you know, if you're the Pelicans, you have to get the right coach for the players that you have, hoping that you can keep those guys or hoping that you got a coach that has the right vision that can lead that team to finally making the playoffs. They're keeping the tournament in place for you. They're keeping a plan for you. They're doing everything they can to get New Orleans in the playoffs. So now you got to do something at the team level. Anybody who watched this show knows how I feel about the playing tournament. <laughs> the the play the NBA play in tournament is my Bill O'Brien. <laughs> yeah, anybody who watches the show knows how I feel about Bill O'Brien. That's no secret. No yeah. secret at all. And, but and uh, if you Bill don't know, go back and watch some old episodes and find out it's highly entertaining all stuff. Do. All you gotta do. 
Billy Venable um, <clears throat> did comment and say, I still have a feeling Phoenix will win the next two games, especially if they can get Aiden going on the inside. They can win game five. Um, I don't think they can win game six um, because, I, like I said, it's very difficult to beat Milwaukee in Milwaukee. They have a certain energy, a certain play style. They look like a whole different team when they're at home and when they get momentum. So I don't believe that Phoenix is going to be able to win game six. Um, obviously, my co-host, as well as you, uh, Billy V, believe that they will. Um, but, hey, we can't all have the same beliefs. Only some of us can be right. I'll be right. But, you know, that's just how it goes. Um, but, you know, to kind of drift back to the hires, um, <clears throat> Willie Green, obviously an assistant coach, former player himself, a point guard. Do you think that that hire is a good hire for the Pelicans? So, you know, it's I don't know that I don't know what they're trying to do here because on one hand, this is a team that is very young. So you kind of ask yourself, are you are you looking for a coach that can kind of grow into the job a little bit? that you're not necessarily expecting a lot out of right away, that you're okay with them having two or three years to try to get the team to the point where they can consistently compete? Or are you thinking like, hey, we need to go ahead and do something with Zion now before his contract or not, he decided to leave town like everybody else? Because that would be my only concern with you bringing in, you know, a, a young coach here who doesn't have that experience. So I'm a little bit surprised by the move. But at the same time, if they're willing to be a bit patient, then it might not be a bad move. Well, yeah, <clears throat> definitely. I think you have that aspect <laughs> of it, but you have to look at it like this. You're either going to get a guy that was general, or you're going to get a retread that's been unsuccessful many times, maybe successful once or twice. So why not go with the guy that's on the team that's in the finals, um, the lead assistant, you know, a guy that's really done a lot, um, a guy that the team really loves and that a lot of players have credit with making them better as well as the head coach. Uh, why not take the chance? Because at the end of the day, the worst that you can do is you hire him and he's no better than a lot of those retreads that you would have been going after. You know, um, a lot of people wanted them to hire, you know, a female coach which there were some some uh, credible options for that as well, or another assistant that was on the staff. But if you're the organization having seen those coaches that are all on the staff, you clearly didn't feel like one of those people at this time were ready to be a head coach, at least not for your organization. So doing what you feel is right, I think is the way New Orleans has to play this. Um, I think that, you know, obviously you want to keep Zion Williamson. And I think if you bring in a guy that's going to work with him, and maybe Willie Green, having played with Chris Paul and Devin Booker, kind of understands it a little bit. Let me work to cater to my star player. So <clears throat> what I hope is that they get a point guard who's going to play point guard, whether that's they draft somebody, whether they sign a free agent, or whether they somehow keep um, Lonzo Ball. I don't like Zion running the point. Yeah. I don't like that. He's got handles, and I'm not saying he doesn't, but I don't like him being responsible for bringing the ball down in critical situations, setting up the offense and making plays. I want him attacking the basket. 
I want him being able to take some times and set up at the three-point line or set up for a 15-footer or set up and get an alley or a good pass and him be able to make a play offensively using his power and his skill set. That's what I think yeah. you want more from him. So hopefully this coach is going to go back to a style that's going to be better for Zion Williamson because you want Zion Williamson to be um, you know, happy where he's at and you want him to play the style of basketball he wants to play because at the end of the day, this is his team. Yeah, I mean, and like I said, for me, it just it really comes down to: Do I think it's a good coaching hire? Yes. Is it a guy who deserves an opportunity? Yes. Is he coming from a place where he worked under another really good head coach, and, and hopefully learned a lot from that situation? Yes. So this comes down to what's your patience level going to be. And, <laughs> and I and I just hope and I just hope that they give him a reasonable time to. Get this team turned around because, let's be honest, there's a lot of good young talent on this team, but they haven't learned to really play as a as a unit yet. They haven't learned how to win yet, and that takes time. I think he'll get more time than Stan Van Gundy. <laughs> <laughs> well, Stan Van Gundy shouldn't have got any time at all, so, you know, there's that. You know, we may not agree on everything, but we definitely agree on that. Definitely. And, sir... Uh, go ahead and tell us about the another coaching hire that we've had. Well, sir, I'm actually going to let you tell us about that because this is a guy that you should know uh, a little something about because he was an assistant for your team. He was. So this is Wes um, Unsell Jr. Um, he's been an assistant with the Nuggets. So he's a guy that's learned uh, from Mike Malone. I um, mean, he obviously, um, you know, the name Wes Unsell, you know who his dad was. Um, mm -hmm. He was a player. So he's a guy that's grew up around basketball. He's been around basketball, you know, pretty much his entire life. Um, it's kind of like the thing LeBron said about he wished he didn't name Bronny LeBron James Jr. I'm sure Wes Unsell's dad was thinking later on, like, hmm, I probably should have named him Wes Unsell Jr. But that aside, um, he did a lot for development for, you know, a lot of our guys. You saw a lot of guys come out that you didn't see two, three years ago playing the way that they're playing. Wes Unsell Jr. was part of that. He was a guy that um, was a coach who's extension of the head coach. Um, I don't like some of the decisions that Mike Malone makes as far as lineups, but I do like a lot of decisions that he makes as far as movement and different things that he does. And Wes Unsell, you know, is definitely a part of that. Um, you know, we'll miss him. But at the end of the day, the job of being a coach is you want to go somewhere else. You want to gain an opportunity and you want to be a head coach. He's a guy that can do the job. Point blank. He's a guy that could do the job. I saw him pulling players aside in the playoffs at the end of the year, um, kind of getting in guys a little bit sometimes and just being having that passion for coaching. And he's done interviews, you know, obviously watch some of the interviews some of the assistant coaches have done for my team. And he's a fiery guy in interviews. He's a guy that um, just reeks. I understand basketball and I'm here to try to, you know, be as successful as possible. I think it was a great hire for Washington. Um, I think it was a great opportunity for him because you're walking into a situation where you have Bradley Beal and you have Russell Westbrook. And now it's just a matter of getting the right pieces to play with the way that those two guys play. And Washington can be dangerous. You know, I'm not saying championship winning dangerous, but I'm saying deep playoff run dangerous if you're able to get the right pieces around your core group of guys there. So, you know, if I was Wes Unsell Jr. with the two opportunities that were available that have been filled, I definitely would have taken Washington over New Orleans. Uh, but 
you can't really go wrong either way. One team you have stars now that are ready to win. One team you have a young star that can be ready to win in the right situation. Uh, but definitely think West Unsub did the wise thing by taking a job. And I think Washington, you did something really intelligent by saying, you know what, we're going to go also get us a young guy um, that's up and coming. He hasn't been a head coach before, but again, he comes from an organization that the last few years has been a successful winning organization. Um, he has the pedigree, he has the knowledge of the game, and you're giving him an opportunity to, to go out here and coach and show what he could do. So this is an exciting time for him. Um, like I said, he's somebody we'll have to replace and we'll have to make sure the right hire is made. But, hey, congratulations to him. And I think Washington's getting one heck of a coach in the words of Roe Williams. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think he, he's a, a really good coach. Like you said, he's he's been a big part of what y'all have done there in terms of developing. And, yeah. you know, clearly, you know, I know a lot of people may not watch a lot of Nuggets games with them being, <laughs> no, being with them with them being uh you know in a different time zone you know a lot of times the East Coast teams get a lot of the uh, the shine or you got to be a team like the Lakers who have a long history to get those uh get those games so the Nuggets haven't necessarily got the prime time slots that they may do deserve sometimes because of just where they're located and and the lack of championships and stuff like that. So I know a lot of people haven't got a chance to see them necessarily over the last couple of years, but this is a team that has steadily gotten better every year. They keep growing, they keep getting better. And he's obviously been a big part of that. And I would agree with you that out of the two jobs available, he took the right one. Cause I, as I just mentioned, my concern with new Orleans is what is their patience level going to be with this? Are they, are they trying to make something happen right away? You know, Washington, I think they're realistic. They know they don't have a championship contender. They, they know they don't. They, they're hoping, hey, if we could just get to the playoffs, maybe win a series or two and make some extra money by getting some fans in the stadium for some playoff games, we good. You know, maybe they make some moves to try to get to that next level, but they're not overly concerned with that. I mean, as long as you don't go in there and completely botch it and start like losing a whole lot of games and not even come close to the playoffs, you gonna you gonna get some time there. So I think it's a good uh, good look for him. Yeah, absolutely, man. I want to shout out um, the WNBA women's All Star team because they had their All Star game and what they did was they pitted the WNBA women's All Star team against the Olympic team. This was happening on the same night as uh, game four of the um, finals. So a lot of people may not have seen a lot or any other game, but it was a good game. Um, the NBA All-Stars, the Team WBA All-Stars actually beat the Olympic team. Um, the Olympic team was more, <clears throat> for the parts I saw, they were more business-like. They were more approaching it like, you know, all right, we need to take care of this and more business-like without some of that passion that you sometimes lack. And Team WNBA was like, hey, we didn't, make the, we didn't make the Olympic team. We feel like we're just as good as y'all. We're going to go ahead and have fun. We have nothing to lose. And they pulled it out. So big shout out to them. But I will say this. This is the only time that we will hear, and I mean the only time, that the women's team lost the game. Okay? We talk about the men, and we're going to talk about them in a minute. But I want people to understand something. This women's basketball team 
is um, to me just as dominant as the women's soccer team. There isn't a true threat to them, either one of those teams from other countries. You could bring up a team or two here or there, but they're not going to be as deep with all stars from one through 12. Right. This team should go undefeated. And I'm even going to say this, this women's Olympic team, the USA is going to be better than the men's. I, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with that. Man. <coughs> um, because especially uh, the way this men's team is going right now, it's not, <laughs> I, I, my, my big concern with the men's team isn't necessarily the talent. It's, I just don't necessarily feel like they're going to play as a cohesive unit. Um, <laughs> You know, and I mean, maybe by the end of the Olympics they are, but it's not like it used to be, man. These these other countries also have NBA players, and they might not be to the same extent as the U.S. roster, but I don't think anyone is going to argue that the men's roster, top to bottom, is the best representation of the NBA right now either, so... I'm not going to point out any names or anything like that. I'm just going to leave it at that. Well, you know, we've had a lot of breaking news um, in regards to the team. So we know Bradley Bill is out. Um, COVID protocols. We know Kevin Love um, gave up or forfeited his spot due to his um, injuries. He's not completely healed from that. Um, Definitely understand that. And I think it takes a lot to, to man up and just say that, like, hey, I'm really not healthy. So maybe, you know, I need to step back and let someone else that's going to be healthy play. Yeah. But let's take a second and let's go through the roster. Right. And also, of course, um, they've named the replacements for both of those guys. And Jeremy Grant, he's in the COVID protocol now. But right now he should still play. He should still be able to play. So we got Bam Adebayo. We have Devin Booker, who, of course, is with the team now because he's in the finals. We have Kevin Durant, who's with the team. Uh, We have Jeremy Grant in protocols right now, but should be able to play. We've got Draymond Green. All right. We have Drew Holiday, who's not playing now. He's in the finals. Um, We have the replacement for uh, Bradley Beal is Keldon Johnson. He's a guard from San Antonio Spurs. He's 21. I haven't heard a lot about him. From what I was able to look up, he's a decent player. Uh, <clears throat> so, you know, maybe this Olympic experience will help him be a guy that maybe can handle things more in the future, or maybe this is just a one-off. We'll see. Um, Zach Levine is on the team. Uh, Damian Lillard is on the team. Um, of course, the replacement for Kevin Love is JaVale McGee. He's on the team. Funny story about him I'll get to in a minute. Chris Middleton's on the team, but, of course, in the finals right now, so he's not playing. Jason Tatum. So that's your team. It doesn't sound like a cohesive unit. It doesn't sound like you have like positions filled. It sounds like you just kind of grab 12 guys and say, oh, let's do it. And then when Kevin Love left, you kind of say, oh, yeah, we need to get another guy that's big that uh, can block a lot of shots and do the things that Kevin Love was not going to be able to do. So two interesting things about JaVale McGee. Number one, his mom played for the women's Olympic team in 1984. So if he's able to win a gold medal too, that'd be like a cool thing where him and his mom have medals. Also, we see JaVale McGee on Shaq and the Fool all the time for what? For blocking shots off the rim when they've already hit the rim 
which is um, a poor decision in this game. But not in FIBA. In FIBA, those aren't goaltends. Those are blocks. So adding him was actually a stroke of intelligence because you added a guy who can get up, block shots off the rim, take the ball off the rim, and do those things that they weren't able to do with Kevin Love. Right. And Bam Adebayo is an undersized big. Draymond Green, nowhere near as athletic as he was at one point in his career. So you needed to add size. I felt you should have added two fours, but you know, that's neither here nor there. We have what we have. That's the team. I think they can win, but I think it's going to be very, very tight. And what's going on, uh, Ant? So we have one of our uh, guys checks us out, been checking us out and saying good things about us. Appreciate that, Ant. Um, hopping in the comments, just saying, you know, what's going on to us. So, Ant, you know, we're getting near the end of the show, man. But did you, what do you think about the finals? Did you have anything you wanted us to uh, speak on real quick while we got a few minutes left? And while he's, uh, while he's doing that, you know, I do want to just go ahead and acknowledge um, real quick, like, that the NFL did, well, not the NFL didn't put it out, but a report came out, I guess, based on some reports that the NFL collects, that we have right now somewhere between two and four teams who are still under the 50% minimum for vaccines. And if I'm understanding correctly, those teams will not be allowed to hold training camp until they have got over that threshold. So very interesting story to keep an eye on. <laughs> well, if nothing changes, we'll know who those teams are pretty quickly. Yeah. So I, I need I need to double check that because I might not I might not be right on it, but that's when I was just kind of glancing at it earlier, that's the impression that I got is that they won't be able to start training camp. And I want everybody to realize what my co-host is saying right now. What my co-host is telling you is that we're getting close to training camp for the NFL. Do you know what that means? That means we're getting to the most wonderful time of the year. And he's not talking about Christmas. I'm not. But it feels like Christmas for now 17 weeks plus the playoffs. So that there was an ants toss for you. So Giannis is a Mack truck with no brakes, bucks and seven. So PJ took about to get a ring, guarantee. All right. You know that uh you got one guy that's on your side with that one, Ant. You know I'm Bucks all the way, baby. Bucks all the way. The Buck stops here. <laughs> sure does after game seven of the finals. <laughs> when they win. <laughs> well, one word the other man, there's definitely not gonna be a game eight. <laughs> well, I don't know, man. Devin Booker got eight fouls. <laughs> Maybe they'll give him extra games too. Who knows? Just, just keep a uh, every every uh every game after game seven is a uh, double or nothing. Pretty much, pretty much. You got to you got to win by you got to win by deuce. <laughs> got to win by two. <laughs> Yes, he did say the buck stops here. He did say and, that. And I was trying to figure out some way to be able to get onto a plane and go out to Phoenix and sell them t-shirts, bro. 
Now, I would tell you, uh, Aunt, this guy is asinine, absurd, and he practices haberdashery on a regular basis. Just to give you a heads yeah, up on the guy that I'm sitting across from. Yeah, don't 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 be don't be fooled by my uh my calm demeanor tonight because of my uh, sore throat. This is this is the super toned down version of me for show. <laughs> so check it. Um, you got the replay. Everybody's gonna be watching. I want you to understand this. I'm gonna say it before we get off for the end of the show. Bucks and seven. All you Chris Paul lovers, I am sorry for you. He's not going to be able to get it done again. He hasn't for 16 or 15. He's not going to for 16. The rest of the Phoenix Suns, the team who probably would have been close to, if not in the uh, conference finals last year at least, remember the team that didn't lose a game in the bubble but couldn't make it because they were so far behind? Let's not forget this team was good before Chris Paul got there. And also, Giannis gets this ring at 26. Go Bucks. So, I'm still saying Phoenix and six. I'm not going to change it. It is what it is. And I still tell you, I'm not predicting Phoenix because I want Chris Paul to win a ring. Because Chris Paul deserves a <laughs> ring. Because nobody deserves a ring. Unless they go out and win the games. And if Chris Paul plays. Look, and Chris Paul plays. In the next two games. And Phoenix wins. But he plays the way he played in game four. I still don't know that he deserved it. Hmm. <laughs> nah, Phoenix is not winning two in a row. Hmm. The only thing is that game so, seven. So, and here, here's 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 a slight history lesson for you, sir. They've already won two in a row, just like Milwaukee has. Yeah, but they're not going to so, do it again. So it's not it's not uh, unprecedented. We have precedent. They're not going to do it again. Like I said, my Milwaukee just got to get one on the road, and that's <laughs> it. They're gonna get Game Six. They got to get five or seven on the road, and they're good. Well, man, let's go. See. Well, man, I, I I would definitely agree that if Milwaukee wants to win the series, man, that winning one of the road would be a pretty good idea. Actually, it would be a necessity, <laughs> <laughs> as it was from game one to win the game on the road. So you know, we'll see, man. Um, personally, I part of the reason why I've actually picked Phoenix to win the series in six is because. If they go to Game Seven, I'm still gonna stick with them just because I picked them to win, and, and they'll be at home. But I'm not gonna front. You don't want to give Milwaukee that opportunity. You know what happens when you get to Game Seven? Anything. Yeah, I'm gonna quote mystical danger. <laughs> if you Phoenix, that's what happens. Look, all I'm gonna say is, if people want to know just how crazy Game Sevens can be. I just want to remind you that the last title that LA won with Kobe, that Kobe actually, by the end of that game seven, was completely wiped out, had like nothing left, 
in the hero of that game was meta world peace. That's what you're talking about when you talk about game sevens. Anything literally can happen. Meta world peace, baby. I think he's meta world artist now. I, I, I don't know, man. I lost track. For Ron Peace, something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I've, I've lost. I've lost track. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. He's he's wild. World, hey, peace, Ron. world, world peace, peace pipe. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Metal World Peace might be smoking a peace pipe. Who knows? So we'll see. Um, by next Friday, we're going to uh, see where we're at. I just want to know where all the people was at last week that was up in the comments talking about Phoenix was going to sweep. I ain't seen y'all today. What happened? Oh, oh they're going to be on the replay. I just want y'all to remember. I remember, and I'm here, but you're not. Well, that's good that you're here, sir, because you know you're the co-host of the show. So. Yeah, when Phoenix does not win this series, I'm not even going to do too much. I'm just going to say I expected Milwaukee to win. So there's not really much to be surprised about. If somehow, like, everything goes well for Phoenix and they somehow find a way to win, I'll give them their props. But I won't give Chris Paul his because they were good without him. Well, man, if Phoenix wins, I'm just going to say I told you so. And if Milwaukee wins, I'm going to be like, hey, congrats to Milwaukee. Ain't neither one of my teams don't care. And then after the series is over, I'm going to grind my feet in both their couches. You always grinding your feet up on somebody's couch, man. <laughs> Disciple of Rick James over here. <laughs> I'm Coop McCain. <laughs> well, man, we are a few minutes after, so uh, you know what time it is. Yes, sir. Just remember, it's going to be real. NFL coming. Olympics. Crazy. Make sure you're in the place to be on Friday nights, 7 p.m. EST. Y'all better know that. Play callers. Next week, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We live. Be here. Record shot. Because that's how we do it.